You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Well, awesome. Man, I, I am excited for my love of the block. I, I was thinking about, um, sorry, my mask is like, any of you guys have beards and your mask like gets the hair up in your nose? Just me? Okay, cool. Man, by the time I get to this point in the day, I'm like, my goodness, God, just give me COVID. Um, but, <laughs> um, but I've been, I'm actually excited for uh, when the 21 days are over because I've decided that I'm going to get Ethiopian food again. Remember when you brought that home and it was amazing? I've only ever had it once, and it was amazing. I knew nothing about it. It was very spicy and delicious. If you know a good Ethiopian place, I guess let me know in 22 days, and we can hit that up together. Um, I asked Alec, what did you say, Alec? He said, Lebanese, Pakistani, what did you say? Something like that? Yeah, very good. Also good. Anyways, totally off topic. Um, Hey, I'm excited you're here. We are in 2021, so here we are, first Sunday. Crazy, right? Crazy. Awesome, though. Um, Excited. We're going to actually start a new series. I'm going to move this table forward carefully because this is like the reddest blood of Christ looking tea I've ever drank Uh, in my life. It's delicious, but um, we're going to start a new series next week called The Way. Someone say The Way the way. We're going to be talking about how do I walk in God's will for my life in 2021? What does it look like uh, to really uh, step into promise and purpose and fulfillment? And how do we actually know that? Is that something like we discover at some prayer night? Is that a way we live? Like, how do we do that? And I I really believe it's going to be encouraging. At the end of the month, we're going to have a special guest missionary who has been ministering in the Arab world, and she's going to be joining with us and talking about how uh, she is, uh, in particular, reaching uh, the Muslim world and um, really sharing the gospel of Christ in that part of the globe. And then the week after that, we're going to have a feed one Sunday. So we're going to have a Pastor Chris Songson who's going to be joining us and sharing about how we can impact the lives of children around the world. So really, really good month as we live out kind of the Great Commission to start the year. But since today is the beginning of a, our church's corporate 21-day of prayer and fasting, I felt it appropriate that we talk a little bit about fasting. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about fasting and kind of why we, why we as a church want to give that opportunity for anybody to Uh, be a part of uh, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. But I want to let you know, too, we have a prayer and fasting guide that we put together that's on our website. We have a couple copies at the back, uh, but we don't hand out a lot of stuff now. Um, But it's on our website at banner.church. There's a 21-day prayer fasting guide, and it lists all the kinds of fasting. It lists lists why we're doing it, explains how to have a successful fast, um, different ways you can fast. And really, that's just to empower you. This is something you and the Lord, we do it corporately, but this is like you and God, you don't like write down on something or send it into me what you're fasting. Like, I don't really care. Um, it's, it's you and the Lord. Um, but it's really a powerful time. We're going to have worship nights every Sunday night at five o'clock during the fast. And these have been just some of the most powerful uh, moments that we've had as a church. So I really, really want to encourage you to uh, press into that. And, uh, you know, we, we say stretch yourself, don't hurt yourself, but really stretch yourself in this mode of like, man, what God wants to do, because I think it's going to be good. But uh, anytime we talk about the 21 days of prayer and fasting, there's always questions. The first question that I get the most is like, wait a second, you guys aren't going to eat for 21 days? Which is a very, very fair question. <laughs> so if you've thought that, I want to affirm you in your thinking. That is the most logical question to ask. But no, now there are people who have done that at, as a church who have not eaten for 21 days um, in our past fast. I personally will be doing a, a Daniel fast which is a type of fast. Some people do sun up to sundown and all kinds of different things, certain days, uh, fasting certain items, you know, different things like that. Uh, But the other question I usually get is, um, uh, does this mean if I go hungry, then God is going to, like, care about my needs for 2021? Is that why we're doing it? It's like, if I go hungry enough, then, like, I'm, like, hurting my body or something, and, like, I'm showing that, like, all I care about is you, right? Like, if I'm hungry, then God will care about me. Which, you know, A, I want you to know that God cares about you right now, regardless of what you do. And B, it's not about going hungry. It's not about hurting yourself. It's not about punishing your body. It's not about weight loss. It's about asking the question, what do I hunger for in 2021? It's about taking an intentional time and saying, what do I truly at the core of my being hunger for? And it goes so much beyond breakfast, right? 
Like you and your dog both wake up hungry for breakfast, and yet you want so much more in life and in an eternity than your dog, right? To be like, I don't have a dog. Well, whatever, your gecko, whatever you have, right? Right? <laughs> or something greater. There's something greater. So the question today is, what do I hunger for? Let's pray, and we're going to dive into it. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you as we step into the beginning of 2021 that we do so in the hope of Jesus Christ, not just in the hope of the calendar. And we rejoice in the truth that your word speaks to us. And we give you this time in your name. Amen. Uh, when my wife was pregnant, she loves me talking about this, but when my wife was pregnant, I discovered the true brutality of pregnancy cravings. How many of you have ever experienced this or been witness to this? Okay. Um, some of you pregnant women or people who've had kids, let me tell you. In fact, let me just speak to the young men here who are someday going to have to be on the receiving end of this. Um, someday, you, you're going to marry a woman. You're going to get her pregnant. And then when she's having the baby, she's going to blame it on you. Um, <laughs> but in these brief moments, she is going to ask for something. Now, you are going to think that she's asking for some things. But I want to be very clear. She's asking for something very specific. And it is your job to get this thing. So for my wife, it was orange juice. Orange juice and Coca-Cola. I have never seen my wife drink a Coca-Cola in her life, but she would have raised the city to the ground for a Coca-Cola in those moments. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And so it was my job in those moments in the, the tearful, joyful anger or whatever that, like, I don't know, emotion concoction is in the pregnancy, when she'd say, I just, all I want, all I want is some orange juice. So it was my job to go in the fridge and see if we had any. And then being a guy, I see, I'm, I'm a little slow. And so I'd be like, we have apple juice. Silence, right? And that silence meant that I was an idiot and that apples don't make orange juice. Oranges do. And I could hear, because we've been married for a while, so I feel like we got it. I could hear her thinking, apple juice isn't orange juice. And if I wanted apple juice, I would have said apple juice. But I said orange juice. If we don't have any orange juice, why would I want apple juice? I said orange juice. I'm having a baby. You're not doing anything. You just get to sit here all the time. I wanted orange juice. I could, I could sense that from the other room. I could feel that in my spirit because we share, you know, the Holy Spirit, we share one spirit. So then I would get in my car and I would go to the store in, you know, the sketch part of the neighborhood and, you know, fight off the drug addicts and buy orange juice and make my way back and violently bring it before her and then realize I got the kind with pulp and then I would go back. And I would buy the kind without pulp because if she ate pulp, then make her vomit because, you know, the baby's kicking her in the stomach, right? But there's just something very specific about cravings where it's like nothing else will do, right? It's like nothing else, not orange and papaya, not orange and banana, not, no, there isn't banana juice, but maybe banana juice, apple juice, only orange juice will do, nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. The reality is we all crave something in life, especially as we've gone into 2021. I've seen so many posts about like purpose and meaning and direction and like I just want this and we're, we're all like wanting something as we head in the new year. Some of you are wanting something for your family or your life or for purpose or for relationships or financially. We all are like hungry for something. We're all looking for significance. We're all looking for fulfillment or meaning or purpose or why our life matters or something about us. We all have this craving and yet there's only one thing Thing that can really truly satisfy our soul. And it's not orange juice. Sorry, babe. See, the satisfaction of your soul is going to come through the hunger of your heart. But the fulfillment of the hunger of your heart is going to be determined by what you feast on in 2021. What are you feasting on? What are you consuming? What are you eating? What are you living off of in 2021? So I want to read you a scripture today and jump us in. Can we do that? Yes, okay. Uh, I'm going to read it from Psalm 63 together. We're going to read a couple scriptures. They won't be on the screen, but I just want to read it over you. But if you brought your Bible, you can uh, go to it today. Psalm 63. It says this. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. This is David speaking when he's in the wilderness. He's out in the desert. He's out of the superstition mountains. And he says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. 
as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. It says, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. My right, your right hand upholds me. Anyone identify with David maybe just a little bit this year? That dry season, that wilderness place, maybe feeling like a little bit like I'm in a dry and, and weary place. I'm hungry for something. I want something. But you know what? 2020 did not give me a great opportunity for getting out of a place of dryness. You know what I'm talking about? So just this season of longing and hunger. And David says, you know, I, I, I'm in this dry and weary place, and I hunger and I thirst. And a couple days ago, I was out uh, bird hunting with some guys, and and what's up, man? Um, and and we were like walking back to the car. We're like halfway there, and I think it was Carter or somebody's like, "Man, you know what sounds amazing right now? It's like a burger and a cold beer." And like, every, I could hear like every guy that we were like spread out for the field, like, "Hey, man, count me in for that!" Like everybody down the road was like, "That sounds good!" Like it was like pure silences were stalking these birds, and then it was just like an eruption of agreement. Why? Because like everybody was so hungry, it's just like, "Oh my gosh." I, I need something good. And like in that moment, would I have taken the old peanut butter and jelly sandwich from my kid's lunchbox in my car? Sure. But would that have satisfied me? No. I needed that good burger, that $14 burger, the kind that when you were a kid, your parents would judge you for getting because they knew you couldn't eat it all burger. I need like that thing, the thing with the onion rings and the barbecue sauce and the other burger that is the buns of the burger. I need something good. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm fasting, so I'm like really in it. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I haven't eaten anything yet today. Uh, <laughs> but it's that hunger, that desire. David says, when I feast on your presence, my soul is satisfied with rich food. Presence is like a, it's like a good steak. It's, it's rich and fulfilling, right? It, it, it's, it's like a prime rib. The presence of God is not stale toast. It is, it is rich, good, delicious prime rib. It's the kind of meal that you take a nap after you eat and no one in your family judges you. That's like, that's the kind of meal of the presence of God. It's that kind of meal where you eat it, you go on the couch, and people are like, goals. Not like, girl, right? You know, it's different. Very different. It's good, the presence of God. You're probably thinking, what does David's hunger for the presence of God spiritually have to do with me not eating physically? How are those connected? Does going hungry make God hear my prayers? Does... Does it, like, do something? Do I, like, go to a higher level of attainment and align my chakras? And lip? Nope, none of that. It has to do with two words. And this is important because if we get the idea of fasting wrong, we begin to think that food's bad. We begin to think, like, eating's bad. And people get into weird headspaces that God doesn't want us to enjoy the pleasure of life. Not true. Right? We get into weird headspaces. So we got to understand two words, the spirit and the flesh. Okay, say this with me. The spirit and the flesh. Okay, one more time. The spirit and the flesh. Perfect. These are two really, really important words. Fasting is the act of submitting one and focusing on the other. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. I'm going to read you Galatians 5, verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. Go ahead and flip there if you can. Ding. It says this, but I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's talking about the flesh, the flesh and the actions of the flesh. What is he talking about? He's talking about our, is he talking about our skin, like your skin's bad? 
No. Different word for the flesh. In fact, he's talking about a word that kind of goes beyond our life in the body in a physical sense of like your organs and, and your lungs and, you know, all the stuff, your mind and stuff. He's talking about, uh, in the idea of the flesh here, the sinful nature of our humanity. Right? The nature of our humanity that is sinful. That, that we as fleshly beings are encounter to the, the, the spiritual sense. And so he's talking about the sinful nature of our humanity. And so the, the flesh is this hunger for us to selfishly be the God of ourself. It's this hunger for us to be God, right? It's that pride that rules us. And that pride can manifest in anger and in all kinds of, you know, different ways, maybe uh, of violence or whatever. But it's all pride. It's like, I will be God of myself and no one can be God of me. And so that, that's what separates us from God. It's not this very specific task or issue or thing. It's us saying like, no, no, I will be the savior of my own life. And God says, okay, well, then I won't force the issue and your choice is made. But spirit in the flesh. So the flesh, see, the problem right now that we're facing, and we're going to face more and more, and it's really been faced since the beginning of time, is that we have a culture issue in the face of Christianity. Because our culture has told us that the highest level of human freedom and human kind of ascension mentally in this postmodern world is to be able to fulfill every desire that you have. So the, more fr the most free society, therefore, should be able to fulfill every personal desire that they have every personal thing. And so if you say, wait a second, like I feel like I'm submitting these desires because they run counter to, to my Christ, then what you're telling somebody else in the culture that we live is that you can't surely be loving them because how could you be loving if you don't let somebody fulfill every desire of their flesh? You see how those are running in contrast? In the sense that we have decided that if you keep anyone from fulfilling their desires, then you're taking their freedom, and there's no way that you can love them if you don't approve of them fulfilling every desire they could ever, des ever desire in their flesh. And so we have this problem that the manifestation of the flesh is apparent in a, in a society that's over-medicated, over-stimulated. It's interesting. I, I, one of the most profound uh, quotes that I've, I've had uh, for a long time, and I go back to, is this quote by Malcolm Rug, uh, Mugridge. And I think it's a profound statement that was written a while back, but it's shocking how much it hits close to home. And I'd like to read it. Can we handle, like, a good-hearted quote? Can we do that? We can do that? Okay. We'll read it. And you guys all agreed, so it says this. So in the final conclusion would surely be that whereas other civilizations had been brought down by attacks of barbarians from without, ours had the unique distinction of training its own destroyers at its own educational institutions and then providing them with facilities for propagating their destructive ideology far and wide, all at the public expense. Thus did Western man decide to abolish himself, creating his own boredom out of his own affluence, his own vulnerability out of his own strength, his own impotence out of his own erotomania, himself blowing the trumpet that brought the walls of his own city tumbling down, and having convinced himself that he was too numerous, labored with pill and scalpel and syringe to make himself fewer. Until at last, having educated himself into imbecility and polluted and drugged himself into stupefaction, he keeled over a weary, battered old brontosaurus and became extinct. Like, I thought it was going to be something from C.S. Lewis. It was kind of kind of like lift the mood. <laughs> But I think that's powerful, right? Because that, that's a quote from a, a while ago, but it still rings true today. And if we go to the Bible, we can see it still kind of rang true in the New Testament in a form of pursuing the flesh. And if we go to the Old Testament, we can still see that it rang true in how people pursued the flesh. If we go to Babylon or Syria or the great empires of the world and Rome, we can see— Guess I'm done with that one. Uh, we can see a constant pattern of pursuing the flesh and pursuing the desires of the flesh. Because the flesh hungers for more of the world. Are you with me? The flesh hungers for the things of this world. And yet, that when we consume the world, we are chronically unsatisfied. And a study of some of the greatest thinkers, as I, I, I was a philosophy student for many years, <laughs> and uh, 
in studying the greatest philosophers, the greatest minds, most of them led themselves into insanity or suicide because they got to the point where they had consumed of the world completely, whether in a sense of complete physical consumption or mental consumption, and yet they ended up just taking their own lives. Why? Because they were still empty because the flesh does not satisfy. Galatians 5.22, you see, you heard about the deeds of the flesh, right? All these other things will not inherit. But the next verse might sound familiar for those of you who have been around the church for a while. In 5.22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. So we had the flesh. What it's talking about very clearly is that what runs counter to it, what is in conflict with it, what is, uh, what is at war with the flesh is the spirit. Somebody say spirit. That's why in Galatians 5, 17, right, he said that the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. I think this is like the realest tension in life. Right, We have the flesh and the, the acts of the flesh and what I want to do in the flesh and my selfishness and my pride and my seeking to be about me. Then I have the spirit and I have peace and gentleness and self-control, right? And these two are constantly running tension inside of us. It's like I know what God has called me to do, but I really want to do this. I know what God has spoken over my life, but I really like this. I know what God has said for my relationship, but I really want to do this. I, right? We live in that tension all the time, right? Every single person in here. None of, nobody is exempt from this tension, right? If you're like, I feel judged, don't, because we all, we all live with it, right? Like, all of us, we live in that tension of our flesh and our spirit. In fact, often when someone says, I'm feeling judged, I'm feeling, I'm feeling judged, what they're saying is an external thing, but it's actually just a manifestation of an internal tension. See, often when people say, like, I'm, you know, people come to me, I just, oh, I just feel so judged because, you know, I did this, this, and this. I'm like, nobody knows your name, let alone what you did three years ago when you were in college in Boston. Like, not like nobody cares because we care about you, but like nobody knows who are you, right? But what's happening is inside there's a conflict of the flesh and the spirit. And so what's happening is there's the very truth of the spirit and the truth of life and the true conviction through Jesus Christ that should come through repentance and freedom. And then there's all the actions in the flesh that are running contrary. So what happens is people go, well, church people are so judgmental. But really what's happening is you're being convicted in your spirit of what you know to be true. Now, sometimes people do judge you and those people suck. But... <laughs> but sometimes we're being convicted in our spirit of what we know to be true, but since we live so deeply in darkness, we can't stand to be in light. And therefore, that conviction, when it bumps up against people of the spirit, things of the spirit, times of the spirit, we reject it because we want to be out the, about the flesh. Are you with me? Because there is a war that is occurring. There's an internal tension within us where our spirit is crying out for holiness, and yet we're like stomping it down under the flesh, like, get back in the basement. They're like, God, I don't feel right. Exactly. Because you were created for holiness. You're created for freedom. You're created to live by the spirit, not, not to be a slave to the flesh. That's why the life with Jesus is a life of freedom, not subjugation. Romans 7, 14 says, and I, and I love this from Paul. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. In verse 15, he says, for I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. How many of you are like, amen, Paul? Paul's just, I, I love Paul. He says, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Verse 19 says, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Come on, that's real, right? Every person in this room should be able to nod like, yep. If you, I mean, if you're a believer in Christ, you'd be like, yes, I, I know what I want to do, and yet my flesh is like, no, how about we do this over here? And you're like, yeah, sounds awesome. And then you're like, dang it. That's not what I wanted. <laughs> Constantly. And he says, verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? 
And verse 25, I love what he says. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love Paul's honesty. There is a war going on between my flesh and my spirit, but thanks be to God that he delivers me, that he renews me and restores me and fights for me and overcomes with me by the power of the Holy Spirit. My flesh wants to consume, consume, consume. My spirit long to consume something greater by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is where fasting comes in as a spiritual discipline. See, if you're thinking in the terms of religion, the things like prayer and fasting and uh, giving, anything like this, it's, it's all to like try to move you up a level or get you to a higher level of, you know, attaining something. But if you're thinking in terms of relationship, then prayer, fasting, all of these things function in a deepening sense where the goal is to get you deeper into a relationship. A very big difference. You don't get access to a better heaven because you pray and fast, but you do get access to a better life. People are like, reading your Bible doesn't make you a better Christian. It's like, no, it doesn't make you a Christian, but it definitely makes you a better one. Now, you can read the Bible and be a bad Christian. That's just like kind of like bad Aristotelian logic. But I guarantee you, if you pursue Christ in these ways, it's, it's a deepening Fasting is a spiritual discipline done by physical action that has a supernatural implication. Almost all of our lives are like engaging our flesh in whatever way we seem fit. But then in fasting, we submit our flesh for a hunger in the spirit. And something powerful happens, which is why we say that fasting is not necessarily about going hungry. Fasting is about feasting, but it's about feasting on God. Romans 8, 12 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For, li for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We've, we're not stuck in the slavery to the flesh. We've received a spirit, and not just any spirit, the spirit of adoption into sonship and daughtership as co-heirs with Christ. How amazing is that? We're not just lifted up out of that, that, that moment of, of darkness and sin, but we're elevated to a place of being co-heirs with Christ. And so fasting focuses our heart in this way. It's a physical act, but it has some uh, profound spiritual implications, right? Those two things are linked. There's a couple. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them to you. Go ahead and write them down. If you're taking notes, write this down. Fasting places Christ at the center. Fasting places Christ at the center. Fasting is a physical thing, right? Like, you're literally not eating. <laughs> it's pretty physical. But it's also a spiritual thing, because by submitting the flesh, we're declaring and desiring for Christ to be the, to be the center of our life. It's like uh, my wife with the orange juice. Nothing else will do. Don't bring me that papaya. Don't bring me that mango. Don't bring me that substitute. Don't bring me that old-time religion. Bring me Jesus Christ. Nothing else will do. Because really, as if you go into 2021... In order for us to live lives of complete fulfillment, Christ has to be at the center of our life. Let me, let me give you an example. Can we do that? Are you guys good with that? Example? Okay. I like to draw. It's part of who I am. So we're going to draw an example. I'm going to draw a circle. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was, that was a pretty all right circle. Respect. Uh, <laughs> you'd, not be, you'd not believe how hard it is to draw a circle like this. <laughs> First service was a little worse. But, okay, often in our life, we, we have different parts of your life. So, like, for example, a part of my life would be, uh, let me draw it here. This would be my family. That's a part of my life. Uh, what, what's another part of your life, another element of your life? Career, your work. Okay, cool. Um, we'll put it like your work. What else? Hobbies, okay. We'll make like a little, we'll make a little smaller circle. Hobbies. Okay, what else? Friends, okay, friends. Is friends bigger than hobbies, same size? What are we talking here? 
bigger. Okay, so we'd like a medium size, friends. Okay, what else? Fitness. Okay, fitness. Okay, good. Okay, so you know we got we got we're looking fit. We got all this stuff. So different parts of our life, and then obviously faith. And since you guys, you know, you're here first service of the year, you get big circle, right? So faith is very important to you. If you're joining us online, you have logged in for you know a million and a half weeks, however long this pandemic's been going on, and you're still logging in. You have a huge. I don't have room enough for you on the board, but you got a big circle. This is your faith. <laughs> all right. So how we often live here in our lives and is that we, you know, we, we begin to add things into our life. So at one point, this circle wasn't here, but then you became a Christian. And so what'd you do? You're like, oh yeah, I got faith in my life now. Like, that's so cool. I got faith. I got Jesus. He's a, part of, he's a part of my life. How cool is that? You know, I got my family, my work, but man, when I do my Jesus time, maybe my church, maybe my serving, maybe my giving, uh, <laughs> when, when I do these things, uh, I, uh, when I do this, this is, this is me out in the community. This is my community small group. This is my small group, right? It's, it's all a part of this stuff. And so my goal is, like, I try to grow this circle as much as possible, kind of, like, bump into these other things. Like, yeah, you know, like, if, if my family could, like, kind of see me, you know, I get this bump into my family, maybe my work, like, it's going to cross. I'm just going to kind of keep growing this circle. The problem is that these are constantly working in flux together, right? Like sometimes your family and then your work grows and it's bumping in here and then depending on where you are. So they can bump into each other, but they cannot overtake each other, right? There are these compartments. So I have my faith. That's a very spiritual activity. I have my work. That's a very secular activity. I got to go to the grocery store. That's secular. I help my community. Maybe that's faith. Small group, that's faith. Um, you know, I kind of have this divide, right? I have the things I do, and so anything here, this is like spiritual formation, growth. This is just like my life. This is what I do, right? And this is like where I come, and I'm like, God, please show me your will. Show me your way. Show me what you want for my life. Show me what you want. And then I like go back over here, and I do my hobbies, and I'm like, God, it's a worship night. Donde esta? Right? Like, I need it. Okay, I'm back. Then I'm doing fitness, right? This is how we order much of our life. But we need to be, I need to be honest about something. This is how the postmodern Christian world orders our life, but it's, it's in, something's wrong here because it misses the most crucial factor of the freedom and power of Jesus Christ. And that's the term, a new life. Our motto is on the back wall so that all people can experience the freedom and power of a new life in Jesus Christ. This is adding faith to your old life. So if you've tried this and it's not worked, I'm not surprised. Because I, too, have done this. Amen? <laughs> Everybody in the church is like, yes. The reality is that without Christ, we have no life in the sense of the grander sense of purpose, meaning, and eternity. Because through sin, we're all dead in our transgressions. Through sin, we have experienced death and rebellion to God. Ephesians 2, 1, we were dead in our trespasses for which we once walked. Through our sin we were dead. We, I had a debt because of my sin that I could not pay. But Ephesians 2, 4 says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I love this. We were dead, but Christ came and died for us and rose again and then invited us into the resurrection. That's why Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but the life I live in the flesh and the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is so important in fasting and life in this whole year we're going to talk about. Christ isn't a part of your life. He is your life. So the circle, yeah, that's okay, we can clap. It's all right, yeah, I know. Shake off our clip. We haven't been to church in two weeks. You shake off. So this is what it looks like. What Christ has actually called us to is a whole different. Hope, oh, man. I hope this one works. I have to bend down and pick that one up. Hey, nope. Good, good, good. Just push it. There we go. All right. What our life actually should look like is this. 
This is called Christ-centered. Christ is the hub of our life of which all things are ordered and moved and ordained and sent and in control. We have completely died to us, died to ourselves, died to the idea of us as God, and Christ sits at the center of our life, and which means whether it's like my church or my work or my family or my friends or my relationships or whatever it is, my budget, my home, my maybe I'm like working out, work out. All of this is spiritual activity. Why? Because Christ is at the middle ordaining every element of our life. He, he's, he's moving through every element. He's a part of every element. That's how my work can still be spiritual formation because I'm not going to church to learn how to grow as a Christian. I'm a growing Christian going to work. So at work, my successes and my failures are not done as somebody who then hopes to come back to church and learn Christian principles. When I go home and I'm walking through my marriage and with my kids, I'm not like, I got to get back to church to learn Christian principles. I'm constantly learning and walking with the Holy Spirit and in his word and in his scripture and being guided by him. And then when I'm with my family, all of my successes and all of my failures is spiritual developments. My goal is not to get church to get a bigger slice of the pie. There's only one pie, and there's only one thing, and it's Jesus Christ. Fasting is one of the very crucial ways that we say, okay, wait a second. Who's at the center of my life? Who's, is, is, who's here? Money? Who's here? Me? Who's here? Christ. Fasting isn't about appeasing an angry God who wants us to suffer. It's about placing a loving God who has suffered at the center of our lives. The God who loves us, who cares for us. Say, okay, God, I submit the, the hunger of my flesh because I so desperately want to begin this year or this season or this time, or maybe you're not going to do it at the beginning of the year, but maybe at some point this year you will fast, and you're going to say, for this time I so desperately want to hunger and thirst for you above all else. Like Jesus said in Matthew 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. If I can encourage you at the end of 2021, my prayer is that you would be satisfied. But it starts here, not here, or here, or here, or fasting for here, or fasting for this, or fasting for here. It starts for fasting for here. Okay, second thing. Everyone's still with me? So I got fired up. This is like this totality of COVID for me. I've just been like in this mode of spiritual formation. So everyone's still with me? Amen. All right, good. We're going to talk about this all month, and we'll talk about it, and it'll be great. Um, but second thing, fasting is motivated by desire. This is so important. Fasting is not suppressing desire, right? Fasting is motivated by desire. Fasting is passionate pursuit. It is not hyperstoic. It is not like this monastic thing where we're just going to get away. Monks do do it, and, but... The followers of Christ, great religious leaders, all kinds of people have always fasted because there is a desire built into it. In fact, when Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 to pursue the higher gifts that come through the Holy Spirit, he says fasting is one of the ways that you can pursue it. Fasting is an act of pursuit. It's passionate. And I like this because, because I'm only alive in Christ here, and, and he orders my life, my life is centered around him, then my desire is simply for more of him. Because that means he increases his goodness in every element of my life. More of God, more of eternity, more of his spirit, more revival, more breakthrough, more of his love. And it's not that it's not already accessible or available. It's just that my heart isn't always accessible or available to him. It's often my heart that is closed off to him. It's often my heart that, that becomes maybe, let's say, less accessible because it gets a little distracted. Anyone else in here? <laughs> and so it's about opening the accessibility and availability of my heart, saying, God, it's here for you. That's why we say, when we talk about fasting, we talk about it in the God. Is it 
What you give up in the fast is not as important to God as what you consume in the fast. In the fast, we're always asking, what are you giving up and what do you want? But that's not the question I think we should ask. I think the question we should ask is, what are you consuming in the fast? Is it the Word of God, the beauty of God, the presence of God, the blessing of God? In Isaiah 58, the people of Israel have been like fasting and putting ashes all over their head and like rolling on the ground in sackcloth. And yet Jesus is like, look, you're still super mean to everybody and you still abuse them and you take advantage of people and you don't live according to Christian prin- or to, to God's principle and you're still living in this way. He's like, the fast that I want is you to pursue holiness, not just to go hungry. The crucial thing in the fast is a passionate pursuit of spiritual indulgence. Not about giving up food for its own sake. It's about taking a period of time to focus on Christ, to focus on the Lord. And that's because third thing, fasting focuses on the giver over the gift. You know, my uh, daughter was recently for Christmas given by Santa Claus a uh, a Barbie Dream House, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Your silence is how I felt when I heard about it as well. Uh, <laughs> the Barbie Dream House is a spectacular thing uh, that our family went in on together to get for her, so you don't think that I purchased her an actual home. It's about four feet tall, and uh, it possesses all of the pizzazz that a Barbie Dream House should have. And she was so excited when she got the Barbie Dream House, but um, I was kind of hoping we would have like that moment where she's like, yeah, and then she runs to my arms and I like embrace her and she's like, I love you. And she's like, thanks, Santa. I was like, Santa didn't buy you that. And then I was like, dang it. <laughs> In that moment, I knew I had broken her, right? Um, and I'd be like, he bought you something else or he brought it with his sleigh, right? You know, it was like a quick pivot. But there's something about focusing on the gift over the giver that is problematic and selfish, right? Fasting doesn't say food is bad. Food is amazing. Guys, listen, God made food good. I'm so thankful for food. I'm so thankful for burgers. I'm so thankful for steak. Um, uh, whatever vegans eat, like grass and leaves and stuff. I'm so thankful for all of those things. I love you, my... my I, dang it. If you're a vegan, I love you. God bless you. Vegan, you know, vegan cheese. I, I don't know if about vegans. I lost it. I'm sorry, guys. I love you. Uh, but God made food good. He made vegetables good. Uh, cucumbers. I grew some amazing cucumbers this year. God made cucumbers good. Blessings, my vegan brothers and sisters. Uh, but God made food good. It's not bad, right? Uh, but it's just talking about how food, the God who made food is greater. The God who made these things we desire is greater. Family is great. Friends are great. But the God who made fellowship is greater. And so there's a focusing of our hunger upon him. And so how often do we start the new year focusing on the creation over the creator, right? We're like, I want to go here. I want to do this. I want to get out of my house. I want to, you know, see if Europe's still there, right? Whatever, whatever's going to happen, I want to go here. I want to add this. I want to lose this. I want to build this. And we kind of build our year around this expectation. And yet how many of us are building the year and our life and our future around the creator with Christ at the center of our life? Romans 1.25 said they exchanged truth for a lie and worshiped the creation rather than the creator. See, when I fast, I'm submitting that fleshly hunger and saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this intentional time to focus on the creator. Which leads me to my second last thing. Ben, you can come up, actually. I'm almost done. My last one. Fasting glorifies God. Fasting glorifies God. So fasting focuses on the gift, the giver over the gift, and fasting glorifies God. God is the goal of fasting. There might be many uh, thoughts on fasting, you know, I won't break through in these different parts of my life here. But this is the goal of fasting right here. God is the goal of fasting. A desire to be near Him. A longing to bring our whole lives into alignment with Him. That's why we start the year with a corporate fast. It's kind of like tithing the beginning of the year. And if I'm going to be honest, there's never a great time to do a 21-day fasting. There's always somebody's like, why are we doing it this season? Someone always gets married during this season. And I'm just like, yes, 
I mean, it's do it, do whatever you want. That's not what it's about. It's not about the days or the time or the. It's about this. This is what we're about. We're about Jesus. People have asked, wait a second, aren't we supposed to fast in private? Didn't like Jesus say, like, don't do it publicly? Or Matthew 6, Jesus says, says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, importantly, Jesus is talking to his disciples saying, look, see these Pharisees, they're fasting so that they might be seen. That's different than being seen fasting. He's saying they're fasting to get a reward from people, to say, look how religious, look how amazing we are. And he's saying, no, you should fast for the sake of drawing nearer to me. And I will reward you. It's not that we do it for the reward, but how amazing is it that God says he rewards fasting? That sounds pretty cool. I'm into that. I will reward you. But corporate fasts happen all the time. I mean, Acts 13, most famously, the believers fasted together uh, for guidance and wisdom. The disciples of Jesus fasted, and then in moments they didn't fast, people were like, why aren't they fasting? And then they, you know, early church leaders fast. I mean, Fasting is all in, in the church, but the goal is always the reward that is Jesus Christ. If we don't fast for reward, but when we pursue God with a desperate hunger, he rewards us with something powerful, which is more of him. God always responds to fasting by giving more of himself. Could encounter strength that comes from him, like Jesus fasting at the well in John 4 could receive clarity and direction from the Holy Spirit as the church in Acts 13. We fast sometimes. We receive a weapon for spiritual warfare as Jesus fasted to resist temptation in Matthew 4. That's one of the big ones that a lot of people fast is a desire to break off reoccurring sin and have freedom from the oppression of the enemy. That's a big one. Physical healing. It's a big one people are fasting for, but they're not fasting just for that action. They're fasting to draw nearer to a God that only by his power is all of that possible. That's the beauty of it. Fasting is not going hungry. Fasting is feasting on God. So we feast on God. It opens us up to more breakthrough than we could ever imagine. We're not trying to prove something to God or do something for God. We're becoming less and God is becoming greater. As we submit the hunger of our flesh, we put the hunger for him at the center of our lives. Say, God, I desire more of you. My life is for you. And the blessing of fasting is the more we hunger and thirst for God, the more we encounter his presence, like in Psalm 63. The more we discover his heart for the broken and hurting, like Isaiah 58. The more we discover his, the depth of his love, like Ephesians 3. Fasting very clearly says, and this is the cry of our heart, God, would you stir up a hunger for you that comes through your Holy Spirit? As we head into 2021, I've sensed probably more uh, weariness than in previous years. And so I've talked to people, they're like, I desire for more, I long for more, but man, I just don't have it in me. And I think I want to clarify, you're right, you don't have the strength in you, but you do have the Holy Spirit within you. And the Holy Spirit within you can give you everything you need, can stir your heart for a mighty hunger for the Lord, for a hunger for His Word, and a hunger for His presence, and a hunger for His beauty, and for a hunger for time with Him and His love. The Holy Spirit stirs that. You know, the reason we do worship nights is not because, like, there's something, like, really unique about that space. It's because we want the time to gather and seek the Lord together and say, Holy Spirit, would you awaken and stir a hunger in us like never before? The church does not need any more programs. We need a hunger. We need a fire. Some of you need to believe again, dream again, hope again. Some of you need to reawaken that leadership again, that fire that God's given you to lead others in the Spirit. Some of you, it's time to get hungry for the Word again. It's time to get hungry for prayer again. It's time to dive into the Spirit. And this is why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's because we want to be a church that's hungry after the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning? Bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask you to pray one thing this morning before we close.
And every eye closed, head bowed. This is a moment to you to focus the Lord. This morning, as you're heading into 2021, if you're one of those you're saying, man, I, I desire this year to have a hunger for the Lord. I want to draw nearer to Him and trust Him and trust Him this year that He would order and guide every part of my life in my family, in my work, in my marriage, in my relationships, in my health, in my body, every part. I want to trust you, Lord, and I just long for a hunger. But if you're really honest, you're saying, you know, physically I understand the depth of my own weakness, and so I desire for the Holy Spirit who is active today. I desire for the Holy Spirit to stir up that hunger in my life, the hunger for more of the Lord. If that's you and you're saying this morning, as I begin 2021, Holy Spirit, would you stir up a hunger for more of the Lord in my life? Would you just lift your hands with me? I want to pray with you this morning. Yes, our bands lifted their hands. We're just going to pray together in a receiving posture, saying, God, would you stir up a hunger in me, a hunger for more of you, whether it be in these 21 days or the year beyond. I want to hunger and thirst for your righteousness. God, we pray right now for every person in this church this morning, the Holy Spirit, you would stir up a hunger in every heart and in every life that by your power and on your authority, we would hunger and thirst for your righteousness, that we would thirst for your word, that we would thirst for a deeper relationship, God, that in those places where we feel weak and overwhelmed, where we feel overcome, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would strengthen, that you would deliver. I pray that you would shake away the lies of the enemy and the doubt. I pray that you would bring hope. I pray that you would bring healing. I pray that you would bring restoration this morning, not by our power, not by our will, but by your will and by your power, mighty God. I pray this morning for a great and mighty hunger to spring up and to well up in the dry places of your church. A great and mighty hunger to spring up in Banner Church and in every life this morning, both here on Scottsdale and online. God, I pray for a great and powerful and mighty hunger a hunger for your word, a hunger for your love, a hunger to take your love to others, but first and foremost, a hunger to have you at the center of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray, stir up a hunger, stir up a hunger. Let's worship. Amen.